This is Pastor Scott. Thank you so much for checking out my sermon podcast from the New Hope Walpolopin Faith, Stairwell, and Slocum United Methodist Churches. We'd love to have you join us some Sunday for worship. To find out more about our locations and worship times, find us on Facebook at New Hope Walpolopin. We hope to see you soon. Today's scripture uh, from Matthew talks about the leadership of the Pharisees. So just for fun, I thought I would look up what, the top 10 characteristics of what it takes to be a leader. And what I soon found was nobody could agree. I found sites from Harvard. I found sites from other places. And they're risk takers and compassionate. And like they all varied. So I decided that I was going to go to The Guru. It's a book I've read. John Maxwell, you all have heard of John Maxwell. He is the leadership guru. And so I went to his book, The 21 Indispensable Qualities of a Leader. And so these are the 21 qualities. I thought I'd share them just for fun. Uh, Character, charisma, commitment, communication, competence, courage, discernment, focus, generosity, initiative, listening, passion, positive attitude, problem solving, relationships, responsibility, security, self-discipline, servanthood, teachability, and vision. I've never met anybody that has all 21 of those. Um, Never mind, I'm not going to say what just popped into my head. But um, John Maxwell is also the one that his leadership quote, and it might be in the front of this book that says, he who leads and no one follows is only taking a walk. But our passage does talk about Jesus, and he's, he's speaking about the Pharisees and their leadership for the people. And um, it's interesting because he does one of these. Usually Jesus is, is not easy on the Pharisees, but in today's passage, he actually commends them and then immediately kind of disses them a little bit. And this is what he says in verse 2. He says, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it, but not do as they do. For they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on the shoulders of others. But they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. Now, in Jesus' time, the Pharisees were the keeper of the law. Uh, Since Moses, that's where the whole Moses seat comes from. They were the religious authority. They helped preserve traditions and customs. They were the moral and ethical influence. They helped teach and educate. And they also had a social and political influence. Um, In other words, they had a lot of authority in helping to direct the Jewish community. But it's also the Pharisees that helped hold the people together through many difficult times, through occupation, um, which we we see in the New Testament, and even through um, those diaspora, when when they kind of would find themselves in other places, they would help kind of maintain their connection. Jesus firmly believed that the people should follow the law. Um, They should obey the law and even commended the righteousness of the Pharisees. He says this in Matthew uh, 5, 15 through 20. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come not to abolish, to fulfill. He then at the end goes on to say, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. There was no question the knowledge of the law that the Pharisees possessed, and and they were obedient to it. There was no questioning their righteousness because they followed the letter of the law. 
But the difference between what Jesus was teaching and what the Pharisees did was what the law, how, how the law affected your lives, how the law should be put into practice in, in your everyday life. Um, in Jesus' time, there were two types of laws. Uh, there was the written law, which is Leviticus, you know, all of the Old Testament laws, do this, don't do that, uh, the, the, the Ten Commandments. But there was also the oral law, which was handed down from one generation to the, to the next. Um, these were the laws that kind of began with Moses, and, and they weren't written down, but it was kind of like, this is common practice, this is what you should do, um, and it kind of continued on. And Jesus believed that the Pharisees often made it more difficult for the people because of their interpretation of some of these oral laws and even their unwillingness to lift a finger. That's what Jesus says to help ease that burden because of the burden some of these laws put on them. Put on them, and and again, these laws have been like thousands of years. But since because since they were the ones in charge, it was up to them to interpret, to enforce, to adapt, or change them depending upon the changing culture. Um, this is why Jesus is, says in verse four, they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they're unwilling to lift a finger to move them. This is what we see. I think we talked about it a few weeks ago. Remember when the Pharisees condemned the disciples for eating with unclean hands. As I said, it was probably, they probably bought, they were walking around, probably bought bread from a vendor and were sharing and passing around a loaf of bread. Um, you know, how many of us have not done that at a farmer's market or, or flea market or something? And but they did because they didn't go wash their hands and do the whole ritual cleaning before they ate. Um, but Jesus also disagreed with the Pharisees because he believed that they taught and what they taught and preached did not translate into their everyday lives. That they didn't see they they, pro, they practiced sort of in their own piousness what they did, but they didn't actually do anything to help. It didn't really translate into how they lived. Because he says in verses five, verse five, they do all of their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. Five points if you can tell me what a phylactery is. Um, Janice? They wear it around their head and it has scripture to That's right. Good. Five points to Gryffindor. Um, they wear. <laughs> It's a Harry Potter reference if you don't know. Um, they would, and they sometimes they would wear them on their arms too. But they basically, it's it's the whole bind this to your forehead scripture. They would literally do that. They put them in these little boxes and they would bind them to their foreheads. But there was no sort of parameter that was given, so they just made them bigger and bigger and bigger to draw more attention to themselves. Um, we all know what tassels are, the injury robes and stuff, but. Jesus' concern was that they were more caught up in their own positions, their own authority, their own piousness to consider the plight of the people around them, that they wouldn't help the people by easing the burden with some of the laws. A phylactery, as I said, you know, is that it was they made them bigger and bigger to draw attention, and then tassels were on the bottom of their robes, or their, I think sometimes they wore them on their prayer shawls, um, and they were reminders of, um, of God's commandments. But again, there was no parameter for what they should be, so they just got bigger and bigger and bigger to draw more attention to themselves. So according to Jesus, they would exaggerate these things and make themselves look more holy because they looked more ornate and more proper, and, and it just drew attention. That's the same thing with the rabbi title. Um, in the marketplace, it was common for the person of lowly stature to greet somebody of higher stature. So the rabbis would expect to be uh, – the Pharisees would expect to be greeted with rabbi before other people because they kind of thought they were 
They were high and mighty. They thought they were up here. Um, and the same thing with he talks about dinners, that they wanted the seats of honor because they thought they should sit at the head of the table because they were a rabbi. So there was a lot of self-righteousness. There was a lot of piousness and, and look at me and I'm important and sort of anti what Jesus taught. So he saw this as an issue of ego and self-importance. Um, that's why he says in verse 8 through 10, um, but you are not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher and you're all brothers and sisters and call no one your father on earth for you have one father, the one in heaven, nor are you to be called instructors for you have one instructor, the Messiah. As for the father part of this, um, a lot of times they would call elders in the community father. So it's not really like don't call your dad dad. It's more don't call anybody else father. Don't give them that title other than God. So that's why Jesus says that because Time and time again, he stressed the importance of humility and servitude. And, and he especially spoke to this when he washed the disciples' feet at the Last Supper. So it should be no surprise when he says in verse 11 and 12, the greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled and all who humble themselves will be exalted. It goes to that whole, if you get the attention that you want here on earth, then you're not going to get that attention from God. If you do things to draw, I, I talked about it last week. Um, when you do good deeds, don't do it for everybody to see. So don't like post yourself, hey, I just gave this homeless guy a hundred bucks. You know, look at me, pat me on the head. Tell me, tell me how great I am in the comments. Um, that's why there are certain ministries that we have here at Stairville that we don't put on the internet. Because, I mean, there are things that we have because we want people to take advantage, but we have some things um, that we don't we don't necessarily want to get attention for. We don't we don't take pictures of people using the blessings box or or things like that because that's not the point. The point's not to draw attention to it. But as we sit here in All, All, All Saints Sunday, I can't help but think of the leadership and the servanthood of those who've gone before us. Um, think about all the people that came before. They didn't have the social media. They didn't have all of the things that we have now, they did a lot of their things in private. People didn't see it. Those who made it possible that we might be here today, friends, neighbors, family, um, parents who raised us in church, parents who taught us Bible stories, Sunday school teachers, Sunday you know, superintendents, uh, um, piano players, worship leaders, pastors. Think of all the people that made it so that you're sitting here today, that made it that we could still be here, that made it that we have this building, that we are still functioning today. These were people that were far from perfect, but these were people that were humble and willing to serve. And they gave as God called them to give. They, they were the hands and feet of Jesus. That's what All Saints Sunday is about. But I can't also help but think of the sacrifices that they made, sacrifices of time and talents and money, uh, I think at least at some point, each of our buildings had something built by somebody that just did it because out of their love. They didn't get paid to do it. They were parts of the church. I think the fellowship hall here was built by, by church members, people that just did it because it was a skill they possessed and they did it out of love. Things that were done to ensure that we could be here today. But it also makes me think, do we continue to share that same attitude. I have to admit, as a pastor, sometimes it's hard to see the success of others and big buildings and things that they post on social media. It's hard for me sometimes 
it's hard to see people or, or know that there are people that have big budgets, that have these big, nice, elaborate buildings, that have these huge teams of people. And we struggle for help. It's hard for me. And that's where I sometimes myself have to check my attitude. Why am I doing what I do? And that question I would ask of us would be no matter whether it's the thrift store or the library or Joy Circle or choir or anything that we do, making hoagies, would we still do it if we didn't get anything out of it? Would we still do it if God called us to do it and nothing came from it? The question I want to ask is, are we willing to sacrifice of ourselves, our time, our talents, our gifts? Are we willing to make sacrifices, even maybe our our own wants and desires? Are we humble enough to put the needs of others first? See, we often complain that the world is changing. I hear this so much, and it has. I mean, I've been in ministry 30 years which is amazing because I'm only like 39. Um, I wish. I don't feel it. But, but we, we, see that we say the world is changing, and the world has changed. It's changed so much. And we talk about how society has gotten worse. Like it's gotten more selfish. And I'll be honest, some of those selfish people claim Jesus. They say they're Christians, but they don't act like Jesus. And I think part of this change is because the church lacks the influence that it used to have. Not an influence that comes through power and control, which we see a lot of people now that want to want to control other people. They want to, to, to make the world more moral by passing laws. That's not how it works. That's not what Jesus did. We can't do that through power and control. The only way that we're going to change society, we're going to influence society is by how we live through humility, through sacrifice, through love. See, a long time ago, the church existed not for the people that were sitting in the pews. The church began to reach the lost. It began to reach the people out there. But somewhere along the way, we turned our churches into social clubs. Worship became entertainment. Tell me nice things, pastor. Only do songs we know. Make me feel good when I leave. And then somewhere along the way, we became the gatekeepers of heaven, determining who we thought deserved to get in and who didn't belong. And we started it at our church doors, but who we were welcome in. And we see a split in our denomination right now because of it, of who's welcome and who's not. For the church universal, for our churches to survive and to have a future, and I'll be honest, the future is not just of our churches. The future of church in general, of Christianity, doesn't look good. It's grim. It's dwindling. We have to, again, find that spirit of servanthood. We have to, again, find that spirit of of listening to God and putting my own wants and desires to the side and falling where he might lead me. That willingness to make sacrifices to ensure their future generations know who Jesus is. Look around you. Our future generations are not sitting with us in this church today. And I hope that they know who Jesus is. And we can't gauge whether they know by whether they're sitting with us. 
But we have to be inviting people in. We have to be welcoming them. We have to be telling them who Jesus is. But that starts by inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts, into our lives, and asking not what we want, but what God requires of me, and allowing that Spirit to make the changes within us, to go into those dark closets, to check under the rugs, those like dark corners of, of things that we hold on to, of selfishness and greed, or maybe the little things that we, you know, God doesn't really care. That's, that's a small issue. And we have to be willing to follow faithfully wherever God might lead us, even if it's along a painful path. So my prayer for us this morning is that we would be faithful. We would be as faithful as those names that we were about to say, that we, we would be obedient as they were, and that we would guarantee a future for others that they guaranteed for us. Let us pray. Dear God, we come to you today. We thank you for our saints, for those that have gone before. We just ask now that you would help us to be faithful as they were. That we would be willing to be humble, to make sacrifice, to follow wherever you would lead. And may the law that we follow translate into the lives that we live. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.